Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And this is a very special bonus episode, because it's been a while since we gave you a bonus episode. Is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, the last one was probably a Friday the 13th, actually. Um, and we all know we don't get those very often. Um, but yeah, we discuss festivals on our bonus episodes mainly. Festivals and Friday the 13th films, whenever there's a Friday the 13th. Bit of cross promotion there in case no one's ever listened to us before this. Um, but yeah, we're doing something a little different this time. For the last five years, uh, well, we met five years ago, we've attended Fright Fest every year. We have every yeah. single year, even when it was digital during lockdown. Um, and we've always like posted reviews and such, but you know what? Five years on, well, fuck it, let's, let's do a bonus episode. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Fright Fest is a film festival that takes place in Leicester Square in London every year in uh, the August bank holiday. It's four and a half days? I will say five days. Five days. Five days, back to back horror films, new horror films, sometimes some older ones. Yeah. Um, sci fi films, sci fi, fantasy, genre cinema. Yeah. But with a special interest in, in horror, yeah, yeah, mainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just to clear things up, yes, on our last episode, I did say this is going to be a YouTube spin-off. Uh, the YouTube spin-off will happen eventually. But for now, you can, you can have a bonus podcast episode instead. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We just, we, we've been travelling. We live in Manchester, so... I'm... I ain't, I ain't got time for YouTube at the moment. We're testing the waters. Yeah. Just to see what's good and, yeah. and what's not. So we thought it'd be best to give you a little roundup, whilst it's still fresh in our minds, via the podcast. Yeah. Uh, as I always ask with the films, history with Fright First prior to going, I'd heard of it. Mm. Um, I had an interest in going... Never had anyone to go with. Yeah. Until I met you. Yeah, no, exactly. Same. It was always advertised on the horror channel. I was desperate to go. Uh, and yeah, and then we found each other, and they've got two more audience members now every yeah. year. Yeah, but as someone maybe could be described as, I could maybe be described as someone who struggles or struggled with modern horror. It was always in my mind. But I suppose for me it was like, oh, it's all just going to be Saw sequels <laughs> and shit like that. I thought you were going to say it's all going to be saucy films. Then no, I was like, oh, what festival is that? Be, oh, it's like, oh god, it's all going to be Saw sequels and, um, but it's not. No, you know, no, no, really well rounded as you will, as you're about to know. Yeah, by the I mean, end of this podcast, episodes. as you're about to find out, there's a lot of films here that we may never see again. Yeah. You know, a lot of these films go in there without any distribution deal. And let's face it, most of them end up getting one, whether it's a long time down the line or shortly after, or if they're just going to shudder. But there's a few here that may never get a distribution deal when they actually deserve it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So really the purpose of today's episode is to shine a light yeah. on 10 films from this year's Fright Fest yeah. that we really loved. Mm -hmm. And we would like to put it out there to the universe and who was ever listening, you know, put it out there and say, we think you should watch this. If anyone, and I, I don't suppose there is, but if anyone with um, a foot in the door mm -hmm. of distribution companies is listening, here's 10 films that we would like to see on Shudder, Amazon Prime. God forbid, in the cinema, yeah. with a wide release. Blu-ray releases. A Blu-ray release, you know, and just, yeah. you know, say, you know, put our two cents in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So before we start with uh, our ten favourites, uh, I have some honourable mentions. Yes. First up, I have Orchestrator of Storms, The Fantastique World of Jean Roland, which was a fantastic documentary. Weren't sure how much we were going to enjoy it, if we're completely honest, because we watched Requiem for a Vampire before this, and we were not fans. Oh, we weren't, <laughs> unfortunately. Loved Grapes of Death, but uh, Requiem for a Vampire just did not do it for us. But it's documentary. It's fucking incredible. Yeah, I feel like what the documentary did for us, what we took from it, was the knowledge of films in his filmography. Yeah. 
that we would want to look at further. Yeah, yeah. Despite the disappointment of Requiem for a Vampire, being able to see and learn about the other films in his filmography yeah. made us like, oh, okay, let's not, you know, cut all ties mm -hmm. with uh, Jean Roland yeah. right now, you know, because we, what was the other one we watched? Grapes of Death. Grapes of yeah. Death. Enjoyed Grapes of Death. Yeah. Uh, you, had you already stated that? I had. I had. Excuse me. Uh, Barbarian. But we're not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> yes. So Barbarian is a new film coming out from uh, 20th Century Studios, of course, owned by Disney. So our screening had like tight security, watching out for anyone trying to record it on the phones, trying to sell it down at Wasbourne Market uh, on pirate DVD. Niche references. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's an embargo until the 7th. We're not allowed to review it in full, but we can say this. It's good. And next up, Dark Glasses. <laughs> Dark Glasses, new Argento, good Argento. Is it intentionally good? Is it accidentally good? Who the fuck knows? But it was entertaining. Um, beautiful gowns. Campus tits. Beautiful, beautiful gowns. Uh, it, was, gowns it was camp, wasn't Beautiful it? dresses. It was. Um, you do have to question, though, with Argento, how intentional that is. It was, for me... Um, a bit middling in places. Yeah, but that soundtrack. Oh was my god! Fantastic. Yeah, and that lead actress. Give that girl any role she wants. Playing blind. Uh, it was the campus thing I've seen all year. I don't feel like that was intentional though. Still give her every role. I'd love to see okay. her in other things. Yeah. Um. Also, I see her agenda look like Lisa Rinna. Um, she did well. have the Lisa Rinna haircut. Um. Night of the Bastard. Oh my god. That. So much fun. This film was the 70s grindhouse throwback that we didn't know we needed. Uh, and it was just amazing. It's one of those low-budget films where you can tell everyone working on it had the best time. And it's fun to watch because of that. Yeah, it was. I think we've come to the point now where 70s grindhouse throwbacks are, you know, here, there and everywhere. But this was a good one. It was. It sort yeah. of, it earned its spot. You know, yeah, to, yeah. to be honest, because there are loads of them, isn't there? Mm -hmm. You know, I could I could name loads right next to me in this room. In yeah, a, in our DVD case, Blu-ray <laughs> case. They're both, both. <laughs> um, Fall. I wasn't as crazy about it as I thought I was going to be, but I think it still deserves a mention because there are some fucking intense moments in that film. Uh, dialogue wasn't great, but seen on the IMAX screen, it it made me feel a little sick every now and then. Yeah, very well made. Very well made. If you don't like heights... Yeah, don't watch it. <laughs> well, yeah, don't watch it. Yeah, but I don't like serial killers. I still watch these bloody horror films. Okay, let me rephrase it. Don't watch it on the big screen. <laughs> yeah, if you're okay with heights, then you might find something interesting. I I, I thought it was a, maybe a little smidge lacklustre, but there was something to enjoy to yeah. keep entertained. It was a bit too long. Uh, bitch ass. Yes. Yeah, a slasher film with the first ever black serial killer in a slasher film, which is crazy to think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was a really, really good film. Um, it's nice to see these kind of films being made. Yeah. Um, the director was there and... Um, oh, excuse me, it wasn't the director, it was the lead actor producer. and the producer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they said, you know, it was a, a really influenced by one of our favourite horror films, Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Herd. Tales from the Herd. <laughs> and, and I'm sure Tales from the Crypt out. as well. Let's let's face it. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, it's not anthology. Tales from but the it Herd. has a very Tales from the Crypt style introduction and outro by yes. Tony Todd. Yeah, that's so where I, think, I got confused. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, when you see Tony Todd starting a film, you, you know you're in for a good time. Um, but it's a slasher film based on board games and it is as fun as it sounds. It's yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to see it get distribution. Yeah. So that we can get a sequel with yes. maybe a bigger budget. Yeah, the Q&A did reveal there are plans for sequels. Yeah, but hopefully with more money and they yeah. can really do what they intended to do yeah, with yeah. the first yeah. one. I think there was just a few budgetary constraints that could be ironed out. Yeah. And yeah, a sequel would be fabulous. And finally, the opening film, The Lair, which was Neil Marshall turning to what he does good. Yeah. It's very much a mix of Dog Soldiers and The Descent. Um, again, much like Fall, 
some rough places in the dialogue. Um, you know, not a perfect film by any means, but it was fun and a really good way to open the festival as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Good old creature feature. It was good. If if you if you like stuff like that, it was yeah. giving me sci-fi. It was giving. It was giving sci-fi me sci-fi. The, the TV channel. It was giving me Grindhouse, as in the uh, Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino Grindhouse. Yeah. Um, the trailers that were attached to that film. It it it's giving me one of those fake trailers, but like full length. Yeah. Yeah. It it was it was good. So getting into our favorites from the festival. Now these are in no particular order. But I have saved our favourite till last. But the rest are in no particular order. I'm going to start with Next Exit, directed by Mally Alfman. Yes, that is the daughter of Danny Alfman. Yeah, who didn't do the soundtrack to the film. He didn't? No. Um, she's going it on her own. She is, she is. So this film is uh, essentially about a research scientist who makes national news proving she can track people into the afterlife. Uh, and two people, Rose and Teddy, uh, see it as a chance of a way out and a chance to finally make it in life. So they go on a road trip and they just end up forming this relationship and bond together. And it's the most romantic film I've seen all year about suicide. It's <laughs> a fairly heavy subject, but it's also almost... A light romantic comedy at yeah. times yeah. as well. Um, the Doctor's played by Karen Gillan. She is. Who was very clearly only available for one day. <laughs> um, the Teddy is played by Rahul Kohli. Yes. And Rose is played by Katie Parker. And they both won Best Actor and Actress at the Total Film yeah. Awards for Fright Fest. Um, and they do give really great performances. Really good. Really good performances. It really, and they're the heart of the film, yeah. really. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. I think it was laugh out loud funny at times. Really interesting premise. I, I'm not sure if I've seen anything like this before. No, no. I, I think people have compared it to Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, which I haven't seen. No. Uh, but I could see how they're probably similar. Um, I mean, for me... I was enjoying it, but I didn't realise just how much I was enjoying it and how invested I was uh, until something that happens in the third act where I found myself with a lump in my throat. I was like, okay, <gasps> oh I'm emotionally gosh. invested in these characters. This is actually really fucking good. Um, yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just such a clever premise and really, you know, has a lot to say. And despite how depressing it can be at times, it's also quite life-affirming. Yeah, yeah. No spoilers. But no yeah. spoilers, but it, it is. It is. Yeah. Um... Just in case you're worried about watching it and then needing some happy to watch after. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think it'd be too triggering for people. No, if they're not feeling the best no. way. Um, but but m- maybe try and be in a, 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 a good place yeah. before watching. But you know, shout out to uh, the Fright Fest hosts if they're listening for putting something this deep on at half ten in the fucking morning. Yeah. <laughs> There was a theme this year, and it was quite heavy films first thing in the morning. Yeah. I was like, oh my god. Which brings me to our next film. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, next next, I don't know if there's any planned release, but I really fucking hope there I is. I can see it getting... I feel like a it's a Netflix. Fairly wide yeah. release. Oh, I could definitely see Netflix yeah. picking it up. Uh, next up is Something in the Dirt, directed by Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson, uh, who people may know from uh, The Endless. They directed episodes of uh, Moon Knight and Loki, two very good directors that I've always I've always wanted to watch their films, but I've never gone around to it, and now I really want to see them even more than ever. Um, this film is about neighbors John and Levi who witness supernatural events in their Los Angeles apartment building, uh, played by the directors themselves. They realize documenting the paranormal could inject some fame and fortune into their wasted lives and end up in a really deep dark rabbit hole. Um, yeah, this really, really surprised me because with Fright Fest, you have a lot of, uh, a lot of choices to make with the different screens. You have the main screen, you have the discovery screens and both this and Next Exit weren't our first choices, but we didn't get our discovery screen films for these slots. So these are our second choices. And I'm really glad, really glad we watched them because I mean, something in the dirt is speaking of something that's not like anything I've ever seen. This absolutely matches that description. This is so unique and so weird, but also so well made as well. It's really is fantastic. Yeah, I went into the film with 
no knowledge and no expectations whatsoever. It's called Something in the Dirt, which made me think something coming back to life or some like something like that. Um, and it, it was a complete opposite of what I thought it was going to mm. be. Shout out to the directors for their acting skills. Yeah, which yeah. I actually think were very good. Very good. I don't know if they've acted in their other films, but I thought their acting was very good. I found the characters very likeable, which yeah. is integral to the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I found the premise very interesting. It kept me interested for the whole thing. Um, I appreciated that it was a film that um, was made during the pandemic mm. yeah. and during lockdown, I'm assuming. And they made the most of that in a really clever way. Mm. It, it didn't show, you know, really that it was constrained in any way. Yeah. So basically shout out to the person who asked how they made the film on such a low budget in the Q&As. Because this looked it like was... the most expensive film at Friday. Yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was an awkward moment. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just really great, great film. And yeah. not, uh, I know this sounds weird, but it felt like a wide release film. It did. And that's, it did. you know, that's the um, budget there mm. as well. It was more higher budget than a lot of the other films. I'm assuming this is getting some sort of release. I hope so. Um, I mean, it's, it's really weird in the way that it's, a narrative film, but also part mockumentary, part found footage as well. Mm. Um, a mixture that I don't normally like seeing together when it, when you do a narrative and a bit of found footage as well. I don't know, sometimes I feel like it takes you out of it, but this is the absolute opposite. Because it's so clever the way they do it and the explanation they have for that. Yeah. It's honestly fantastic. And there's some really, really interesting social commentary as well in there. I mean... You know, it's no coincidence that the film starts with the characters in front of a massive fire, you know, loads of smoke going everywhere in their in their fancy house. Um, and then, you know, they're not phased by that at all. But then they see an ashtray moving slightly and the whole rest of the film is they're investigating that. Yeah. I think that has something to say about the way we look at things in modern culture and such. But um, yeah, there's so much to dive into. I've just yeah. mentioned a small bit there. This film... You have to be paying full attention at all times. Yeah, but this was first thing in the morning as well. Yeah, it was. So kind of heavy um, on the emotion at times as well. Like I said, the the characters were very endearing. The performances were very good. Yeah. And so it wound up being quite emotional at times. Yeah. So next up we have New Religion, directed by Kaishi Kondo. First time director. Uh, a film that is about uh, a lady who lost her only daughter in an accident. And uh, after her daughter's death, she gets a divorce and works as a cool girl with her new boyfriend. And one day she meets a weird customer who asks her to let him take a picture of her spine uh, and then her feet and then various other, various other parts of her body. Uh, and it turns out he's been taking pictures of her the whole time. And that's really all I want to say about the plot. Because yes. it, this is something else. It's one of those films that's not heavy on plot. No. But it's heavy on style. It's heavy on atmosphere. Yeah. It's beautiful to look at. It's captivating. Mm-hmm. And bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of... Twin Peaks, and most specifically, the 2017 limited yeah. series. Very much like that. It's not for everyone. No. If you don't like a slow burn, then it's not for you. If you don't like a slow movie, it's not for you. If you struggle with concentration, it's maybe not for you. <laughs> yeah. If you if you are very quick to get the old phone out, which sometimes some of us are guilty of, um, then maybe skip it. But if you love Japanese cinema, if you love, you know, very atmospheric, beautiful imagery, then this is definitely for you. Yeah, absolutely. This really blew me away. I mean... Okay, this is one of the, I think, actually, from our list we've been going from. Yeah, so this is the first of the Discovery Screen films we've discussed. Um, 
And it's stuff like this you find in those screens. I know a lot of people who go to the festival might find it easier to just stay in the main screen the whole time. But it's films like New Religion that make it so important to check out these other screens. Because you get stuff like this that it's just out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, the director literally submitted this film himself to yeah. Fright Fest. He sent this in himself. He made it on, um, and he confirmed it on, on Twitter, by the way. Oh, did 18, he? 18,000. The equivalent to 18,000 pounds, but in wow. yen. It looks so much it better. Really, it doesn't that. even look low budget. It doesn't feel no. low budget. This really looks like something that could have been made by David Lynch easily. Yeah. Um, From a first time director yeah. as well. He like, did it all himself. Yeah, he directed amazing. it, he wrote it, he produced it. And it was all his friends as well that he made this with. Yeah. You know, this is just a small project for him. And he's just, he has made something really fucking incredible from it. And this is, because this was a world premiere. It's yeah. a Japanese film with a Japanese director. He flew over um, to go to the screening in London. But first time director, this is what Fright Fest and festivals like it are mm -hmm. about. Yeah. You know, he submitted the film. Um, Alan Jones, one of the um, main Fright Fest hosts. people. Hosts. <laughs> that's the word I'm looking for. He thought it was fantastic. He put it on. And now, hopefully, people are going to talk about it. Yeah. You know, it was fairly small room of people mm. but from what i've seen everyone loved it yeah you know what i've seen online really get the word of mouth out there mm -hmm. and hopefully see it grow see his career grow mm. and see more because in my opinion it's a five-star film yeah yeah you know and if you're starting off on a five-star film who knows what the future holds yeah which is really you know something to look forward to and it's all thanks to festivals such as fright fest yeah allowing people to submit their films yeah definitely now it didn't always work out but <laughs> no in this instance <laughs> it, it in really instance. did it really did <laughs> and next up we have hypochondriac uh which is directed by addison Heyman. um yeah so this is a film about a young putter's life that devolves into chaos as he loses function of his body whilst being haunted by the physical manifestation of childhood trauma. This film fucking shook the life out of me completely. Yeah, another first time director. Um, yeah. This this film has a, a 4.8 on IMDb. Oh, ridiculous. Classic case of gay bashing because there's no reason for this to have 4.8 on IMDb. Um, as a gay man who suffers from anxiety, specifically health anxiety myself, this film felt like it was written about me. It was genuinely, it's not often you watch a film where you feel like you're seeing your life evolve on screen, but th this was genuinely one of those cases, and that's no exaggeration. Um, really, really got me. I I was shaking at one point, I was sweating, I was crying. I've probably... As odd as it sounds, after saying all that, it's probably one of the best Fright Fest experiences I've had because despite all of that, it just felt comforting more than anything else. Yeah, Very comforting film. It's as odd as that sounds. One of the most personal films I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Especially horror. Yeah. It's a very personal story that the writer has put on to the screen. Maybe it's just not relatable to everyone. Maybe people watched it expecting a, you know, straight up horror film. Mm. It's not. It's one of those films that's, and I hope I'm not misunderstanding, where the biggest threat to our protagonist is himself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and that's not always relatable to people, or that's no. not why people watch horror films. I still don't understand 4.8. I really, no. I really don't. No, because it's like you said, you know, I mean, if you have been through it, then this is an amazing film that you can, you know, a, a find lot. something in. Yeah. Uh, and it's terrifying. When, when you've been through this stuff, it's terrifying. It's a, but not it's everyone's a scary been film. through but that. If you but haven't it's still been through really it, yeah. well made. But if you haven't been through it, I still can't understand why you'd give this film like one star on IMDb. Exactly. Because it's still, it may be not as much as if so you've been through it, but still without that, it's still an enjoyable horror film. Yeah. 
Um, it's also super gay. So gay. Um, not a plot point, though, which is great. Which is really refreshing to see. It's not a plot point. You know, he's he's not depressed because he's struggling with his sexuality or anything like that. Which is something that's done again and again and again in gay cinema. He's just a gay, he just happens to be a gay character. And we happen to get a really saucy, extreme gay sex scene as well. We do. Spoiler alert. <laughs> something that I'm going to speak about later. Uh, but yeah, no, it's honestly... Genuinely, and I hate to sound a cliche, but it is a film that holds a special place in my heart. It, it is amazing. I really, really can't recommend it enough. Yeah, one reason why we love films so much is the ability to take what you want from watching a film. And I think a film such as Hypochondriac hits differently when you've been through yeah. something similar mm -hmm. you know and that's you know the beauty of cinema you yeah know, we can all take what we want from these films same for music as well for a lot you know yeah 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 for a lot of people um still 4.8 is ridiculous yeah. please everybody watch it hopefully it gets some form of release shudder hopefully should have been so. putting out a fair bit of queer. They have been actually. Would be a good They've got their queer yeah. um, mini uh, documentary, docu series. Docu series. Yeah. That's thank you. You've really been helpful <laughs> this episode. Um, yeah, their queer horror docu series coming out soon. This would be a perfect accompaniment to that. And next up, a film that is already announced to be released on Shudder. It's Deadstream, directed by Joseph Winter and Vanessa Winter. And uh, this is a film about a disgraced internet personality who attempts to win back his followers by live streaming one night alone in a haunted house. But when he accidentally pisses off a vengeful spirit, his big comeback event becomes a real-time fight for his life. An absolute treat this was for a late-night Frightfest film. Perfect late-night film for Frightfest. Um, I didn't think that going into it, because don't come for me on social media... I don't really like found footage films. Um, I felt, before watching this film, there wasn't really much more we could do with found footage horror. And what we had previously had, I wasn't too enamoured with. This was hilariously yeah. funny. It was, you know, a really great 87 minutes. Yeah. So it... It wasn't too long because sometimes films, particularly over the last few years, have gone longer than they should do. But it was great. Great midnight movie. Um, making fun of, you know, the vlogger apologist culture that yeah. we have where people say something really horrible, give a really um, <laughs> unheartfelt uh, apology. And uh, think that it can just carry on. Yeah. And uh, no, this this was very very funny. Yeah. And well, we know these kind of YouTube videos. Exactly. As well. We watch these this shit all the time. Yeah. It was nice to see it parodied. And as someone who is a fan of found footage, it was so good to see the subgenre brought back in a way like this. Um, because I mean, we had host uh, a few years back, but other than that, found footage has been dead for a pretty long time. Um, and I do blame. Paranormal Activity to Ghost Dimension. Um, but this really, really brings it back. And in such a great, fresh, new way as well. Um, that we've seen and, and a few other films doing as well this this weekend. Um, you know, I mean, I forgot to mention Honorable Mentions, but Mean Spirited was also decent as well. Also the same premise. We watched Mean Spirited the day after. Um, but not the exact same premise, but the no, same format. The same yeah. format, uh, should I say. Um, but yeah, so I think this is going to be a new trend that's going to come about, um, and this this film perfected that format. Um, you know, co-director Joseph Winter plays the internet personality Sean Ruddy, and oh my god, he makes it so easy to fucking hate him. Yes. He, he really does. Um, and it makes it funnier when he gets in these certain situations where you kind of want it to get worse for him, um, and that just makes it more entertaining. I'm not going to say, there's there's not a lot we can say because I feel like the marketing's only going to give away a, to up until a certain point in the film. 
there is a big change about halfway through. I'm not going to say what it is, but fucking hell, it goes batshit crazy, and it really is just fantastic. You, you need to see it when it's released on Shudder. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, that's being yeah, released yeah. on Shudder. Has there been a, like, a big found footage horror parody film? I'm thinking Scary Movie, um, you know, the shit, really shitty ones. A Haunted like House. Disaster movie. Yeah, A Haunted House. Found footage. Found footage. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Is that any good? I mean, it's alright. Well, I tried putting it on for you and you didn't make it past the first 20 minutes, so... Oh, did I fall asleep? <laughs> no, you told me to turn it off. Um, oh! So... <laughs> so there we go. Um, next up, uh, also dealing with social media um, and, and online presences, should we say, is Follow Her, directed by Sylvia Kamenier. Uh, and this is a film about an aspiring actress who responds to a mysterious classified ad and finds herself trapped in a new boss's twisted revenge fantasy. Yes. Um, I'm going to make something clear. Uh, with all due respect to whoever made the poster, um, do not... Do not think that this is <laughs> some sort of Fifty Shades of Grey. No. <laughs> because the poster makes it look like it's it a Fifty Shades of Grey ripoff. It's not. It's more comedic than that. It Well, I've never seen Fifty Shades of Grey, but I'm pretty sure no Yes, this is better than Fifty Shades of Grey, just to confirm. I, have you seen Fifty I've, Shades I, of Grey? Unfortunately, yes. Um, wow, before you let me, you watched some. Well, you know, when you love trash as much as I do, what are you going to do? Um, Bitch, I love trash. Should we watch Fifty Shades of Grey after recording this? No, it's not trash. It's basic. It is trash. It's but trash. It's basic. Basic trash. Anyway, we're here to talk about Follow Her. Yes. <laughs> Directed by Sylvia Kamenier. Um, By the way, I've said this many times to Chris. He's probably sick of hearing me say it. And I know, you know, we've mentioned some great films directed by men on this episode. But let me just repeat this for you. Women make the best fucking horror. And this year, we have well and truly seen that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's... Well, women have made some horror films in the past, but I really feel like we're getting a push oh, this towards year. Yeah. women being at the forefront of creating horror, not just the final girls or the victims in no. horror films. They're directing, they're writing, producing, you know all the behind the scenes bit with horror films and we're really reaping the benefits and it was very apparent during fright fest yeah. this year um yeah this is a good film it's intense at times very it's intense. laugh out loud funny at times it's got a really great lead so uh, yeah so danny barker who also wrote the film as well yeah danny barker great surname <laughs> um, she she wrote the film and she puts in a great performance because she she I think she's a natural comedian yeah and not everyone is but it seemed to just emanate from her on the screen it was mm -hmm. a really really great performance not a likable character but likable yeah I know that's an oxymoron but flawed should we say flawed, flawed um, but leader. that's what makes this film so interesting yeah um in the way that it gives you a lot to think about and it really touches on modern culture in such a very realistic thought-provoking way and that makes you think about a lot really um but the way the character is written and performed really complex really really gets you thinking um Especially with the other character as well, who, who was played by Luke Cook. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely a film that, that wants you to think a lot. Uh, but also a film that knows how to get you on the edge of your seat as well. Because it is so intense. Yeah. Um, Surprisingly so at times. Yeah. Again, partially found footage. Um, and the way it's used in this film is spot on. Like, really ramps up the tension. It, yeah, yeah, it's a very modern film. Yeah. It's the premise and um, Jess's uh, work, her, yeah. her job, it's very modern. And so it feels fresh because of that. It doesn't feel like we've seen this 
a hundred times before. No. Which is, you know, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. That, what do you think? Shudder? I'd hope for more, mm, if I'm honest. Netflix. There was something that the director couldn't say during the Q&A uh, about a conversation she had at a recent festival. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping a little more. I could see that poster on Netflix. Yeah. But it, it... The poster looks lovely. I just... It it kind of missells the film, if I'm being honest. With the right distribution company, that film absolutely has the ability to be a theatrical mm. release. It, it really does. Yeah? Um, and I That'd think it good. would... I think it would do well. I really do. Um, next up is Torn Hearts, <gasps> a Blumhouse film. Yes. Directed by the absolute fucking queen that is Bria Grant, who was fantastic in The Stylist and also fantastic in Lucky, which she acted in and directed. Um, you would have heard us speaking about it on our Best of the Year. I believe it was last year. Um, or the year before. I've, Maybe the year before. I think it was the, the year before. Year yeah, before, yeah, yeah. Because it was Digital Fright Fest, wasn't it? Digital yeah. um, Bria Grant, honestly one of the most exciting names in modern horror. Someone you really have to watch out for because she knows what she's doing. Uh, and this film, this hybrid of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, Psycho, Die Die My Darling, and fucking at Sunset Boulevard. Yes, it is as amazing as it sounds. Follows a country music duo who seek out the private mansion of their idol and end up in a twisted series of horrors that force them to confront the limits they'd go to for their dreams. I fucking love this film. Um, camp as tits. Yeah. So camp. Um ridiculous yeah. at times but really well written it doesn't feel stupid no um really well acted like really really well acted i love the performances in this film and just really intriguing references the films that you've just said yeah. and i fucking love all those films and katie um Segal, yeah. Segal. Katie Segal was fucking phenomenal she in was. that performance. She was. I loved the character. I loved the performance. Yeah, it was yeah. it was great. It really was. Um also Abby Quinn and Alexis Lemire as uh, Jordan and Lee as well. Yeah. So good in their mm -hmm. roles. And also we get Josh from the Blair Witch Project. Joshua <laughs> Leonard, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> random. Did he do anything else? He was the he was oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been in lots. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um Why is that such a surprise then? It's always a surprise. Even though he's in lots, it's always a surprise. Oh, I thought it was just he um, wasn't in anything and then suddenly turned up like like he owed a favour. Yeah, it, this is so camp and so much fun. And the audience we watched it with, they got it. Yeah. They, they got it, you know, all the stuff that we'd usually find ourselves just uh, giggling at to ourselves because of our campiness. Everyone found it hilarious. Um, it was one of those films that I felt was written for us. Yeah. Like, Bria Grant sat there writing. And well, thought, she didn't write it. She oh, just no, she uh, didn't. directed it. it Excuse was, uh, me, it was lucky that she wrote it. Was wrote, it was actually uh, written by Rachel Cullercroft. Um Clearly another name to watch out for. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, the, it's so funny. The dialogue is hilarious. So, Rachel, I feel, this first thing she's written, um, I feel she sat there and said, there's two puffs in Soulfood who are going <laughs> to fucking love this film. And she was right. And she, she was, was right. Correct. Um, but yeah, and it says something as well. Um it says something about women within the music industry mm -hmm. and you know let's face it in the film industry as well and how you get in to a society. certain yeah, in society once you get to a certain age you know you're fucked if you don't look how people want you to look you're fucked and you know bringing in these two younger characters trying to make it somewhere and trying to take something from this older character who sees an opportunity in this to sneak her way back in it's great Perfect allegory. It yeah. really works. And the library is open. It is. There's a lot of reading in this <laughs> A lot well. of reading. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have one of the... Yeah, I'd say one of the weirdest films of the festival. Um, a film that has a Shudder deal already. So it's been released on Shudder. 
a wounded fawn directed by Travis Stevens. Uh, and this is about a serial killer who brings an unsuspecting new victim on a weekend getaway to add another body to his ever-growing count. She's buying into his charms and he's eagerly lusting for blood. But what could possibly go wrong? Fucking hell, it, it goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird one for most of it. Not all of it. So it starts off like a standard serial killer. I don't thing. really want to... It's yeah. yeah. Again, this is all I'll say to you. The same as what I said about Deadstream. Uh, is it starts off as a standard film uh, within its genre. But then it takes a turn. And I'm sure no one in that room could have predicted going the way it did. No. It's a tale of two halves. Yeah. Let's, let's just say that. Um, and both were as good as the other. Yes. I thought. Um, yeah, and, and Josh Rubin, um, who plays the lead role, he is so good in this film because he's so unlikable and, you know, Josh Rubin makes it be believable, but once you get into the second half, you kind of want to see more of him because of what happens. Uh, I won't say why, but he puts in a very, very entertaining performance and has the most bizarre end credits I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that won an award as well in total films. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it surprised me that this was written by two men. Yeah. Because it deals with... Um, oh, it sounds wanky, but I can't think of another... Like... Things that women have to watch out for. Yeah, I didn't want to say women's issues. No, because but that's very technically, old. technically it's true. That's I mean, Catherine Hepburn film. Yeah, I mean, you know, the things that women have to look out for that a lot of men necessarily don't have yeah. to look out for. Yeah. Um, it, it deals with that in such a clever way that, again, you know, I assumed it had been written by a woman um, because it was that good. And... Um, for all the times that I've ranted on the podcast about, you know, when you can tell when a film predominantly starring women is written by men, this is to counter out with that and say, look, you know what? It can be done sometimes and done really well. It can this, be This does it really, really well. We've watched many films where men have written women as if they've never met a woman in their life. Mm -hmm. They've never consulted with a woman. They m maybe, you know have lived in a cave and not really sure what a woman is. <laughs> Their depiction of women have been so bad. This didn't feel like that. No. It was really refreshing because when I knew that it was two men writing and knew the premise of mm. the film, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, now I don't know this for a fact, but it felt like from watching the film that some of the women they knew had some input. Yeah. You know, the the lead actress. Yeah, Sarah Lynn. Sarah Lynn yeah. was very proud of the work, very proud of the mm. the film. Yeah. So I'd, I'd hope she gave quite a bit of input as well, yeah. particularly to the characterisation of of her character, whose name I can't remember. Apologies. It's a lot of films. Meredith. <laughs> Meredith. It's a lot of films over five days. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing really well to remember them all. <laughs> but yeah, no, no. Um, all joking aside, A Wounded Form was very, very good. Yeah. Uh, next up is The Once and Future Smash, directed by Sophia Cassiola and Michael J. Epstein. And it is a, f a mockumentary. Um, and the premise is, in 1970, Mikey and William both portrayed football cannibal Smash Mouth. In the influential cult hit Endzone 2, now 50 years later, only one can wear the mask. So this is based on a fake film called Endzone 2. And yes. very much uh, a riff on Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Sleepaway Camp, Friday the 13th, um, you know, all your classic slashers, but all other sequels as well. Uh, because this film is a film that is about all the obscure shit that we love and find hilarious ourselves. It's presented here in a form of many, many hilarious jokes. Yeah, yeah. So And great interviews as well. It's that weird... And I don't know if it's true for other sort of... 
film fans, but I find with horror film fans, and I think for us, and it, it, this is about two male actors, but for me and Gary, we have a tendency to latch on to the most random celebrities yeah. that are in the most random horror films. Mm-hmm. That, you know, if you went up to someone in the street and showed them a picture, they'd have no idea who they were. But if we met them, we'd wet ourselves. Do you, do you know what I mean? I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking, you know, Pamela Springsteen. Yeah. Um, Rene Estevez, you know, from the mm-hmm. Sleepaway Camp sequels. Uh, Mimsy. Mimsy Farmer. Mimsy yeah. Farmer. Mimsy. You know, people like that that we latch on to, but <laughs> other film fans don't. So this, I feel like, is a kind of a parody of that. Because these are just two random guys. It takes it even further because these guys were under a mask anyway. Yeah. In and this Enzo is, too. I mean, if you've listened to any of our Friday the 13th episodes, you will know Chris's opinion on actors getting praise for playing Not serial killers praise. in masks. But you know, you know that you've said on many occasions, anyone could play that Character. It's not necessarily. I feel like with someone like Jason Voorhees, it's all about the stature. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, we just need a tall guy yeah. to get into a suit. There's a huge difference between, and this, with all due respect to the people who've played Jason Voorhees, I couldn't do it because I'm not tall enough to do it. But <laughs> there's a huge difference between what Robert England did yeah. as Freddy Krueger and what any of the actors did as Jason Voorhees. Now, the stunt work is something completely different. Yeah. More, you know, all due respect in terms of the stunt work. But in terms of acting and performing, I think sometimes they do give themselves a little more credit <laughs> than maybe be deserved. Which this is, is the joke of the this film. Joke of this film. It's the fact that these two guys, you know, one of them is going around claiming he played the character. Um, he's never really revealed, is it, that he did? No. <laughs> um, and then the other one actually, you know, confirmed that he did play the character. And it's them at a convention just trying to see who gets the more fans. And oh my God, so fucking funny. Also, best name ever, Michael St. Michaels, uh, who plays Mikey Smash, and Bill Whedon, who plays William Mouth. Both of them do a fantastic job. you got Michael St. Michaels, who almost looks like he's trying to be John Carpenter. The yeah. grumpy old man who hasn't got time for fucking anyone attitude. And then Bill Whedon, who's more enthusiastic. And of course, he's the one who's saying he's in the film, but is never confirmed. Uh, and then alongside them, you have interviews from Mark Patton, Lloyd Kaufman... Uh, John Dugan, Adam Marcus, Todd Farmer, Victor Miller, and the funniest of all of them, Richard Alfman, director of Forbidden Zone. Um, he was very funny. He was so funny. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the uncle of... Uh... Uh, maybe. I mean, this, yeah. this whole episode is just directed to the Alfman family, clearly. Um, but I mean, I've never seen Forbidden Zone, and now I really want to, because this guy is fucking hilarious. Um... But yeah, no, it's a film that really, really, it's just all of our, all of our sense of humour in one film. Um, yeah, and it's a shame because they were showing Endzone 2, the fake film after, but we had to leave to get to see Barbarian because of the crossover times. Um, but I cannot wait for this to get a Blu-ray release. I'm certain it will um, because I need to see Endzone 2. Yeah, yeah. So they've, uh, the, the idea is that there's only an hour left of Endzone yeah. 2. Um, but the creators of the Once in Future Smash actually made yeah. Endzone 2. Um, yeah, like Gary said, we, we did miss it. But Endzone 2 was so well made that somebody in the audience <laughs> during the Q&A asked <laughs> where they found the footage <laughs> for Endzone 2. Yeah. And they, they thought it was a found footage film. Yeah. Um, also, this is also a riff on, and I, I swear, I'm sure it's intentional. I mean, that question was a riff. Yeah, it, it feels like a riff on all the uh, Stormtroopers that go to conventions mm. for Star Wars. Like Stormtrooper 2, Stormtrooper 20, you know, these people that, let's say, they could be fucking anybody. They they, could, they might not have even been in the film, but you're going up to them giving your money and getting your autographs. Yeah. You know? 
really funny. Um, it's just stuff me and Chris have spoke about so many times before before this film was even made. Um, it's another. Film. It really felt like it was made by yeah. and for horror film fans. Yes, yeah, absolutely, definitely. And finally, our tenth and final favorite film of the festival. Again, another Discovery screen film. This is this is your last one before next year's Fright Fest. Get to the Discovery screens. Who's Sarah? Directed by Michelle Garza Cavera. Once again, proving that women make the best horror. This is a film about Valeria, who has long dreamed about becoming a mother. After learning that she's pregnant, she expects to feel happy, but something's off. Yes, it is. Um, and this film deals with it in the best way possible. This is a modern masterpiece, a modern horror masterpiece. And it really deserves the biggest release it can get possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've said it plenty of times on the podcast. Horror is a perfect genre to give social commentary, to give layers, to bring up loads of themes. And this film did it perfectly. Yeah. It still managed to be tense. It still managed to be a, in some ways, a traditional horror film. But the themes on display, the themes dealt with, were so intriguing, were dealt with so well, so layered, yeah. so perfectly performed. The lead actress, um, forgive me if I don't pronounce this very well, um, what was... Uh, what was her name? Sorry, Gary. Valeria. Oh, Valeria. Uh, was that uh, Natalia Solian? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Natalia so Solian. Wonderful performance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and the fact that she's uh, bisexual, the character as well, it brings about a really interesting message in the film about living a heteronormative lifestyle. Uh, I won't go too into detail with it because, you know, spoiler territory but yeah the way it's dealt with is it really is perfect it holds no judgment on anyone no um you know it it really and and when you have a film that deals with pregnancy and supernatural forces it can get a bit cliched and you know it's easy to feel like you've seen it a thousand times before oh, absolutely. if this was made by a man that, that baby would have burst out of her stomach alien style um but what have you done to its eyes? Exactly. Um, but it's dealt with so delicately and the horror elements are genuinely scary. They never feel generic or like you've seen it before. And because they're introduced fairly late on, because it builds these characters, it makes sure you know who they are. Um, when the horror elements are introduced, it really hits and it becomes really intense. Yeah, um, and a wonderful 93 minutes. It yeah. does not outstay its welcome. No. It's perfectly paced to keep the intensity up, to keep my interest. Especially considering this was the last day as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First film of our last day. No expectations going into it. Mm -hmm. I read the premise, was like, bitch, I've seen this. I've yeah. seen this plenty of times. Um, maybe I'll have a little nap, catch up on some sleep. Absolutely not. Fantastic film of the, the, uh, festival really deserves a wide release. Yeah. It probably won't because it's, it's, um, Peruvian, isn't it? Spanish, yeah. Spanish, yeah. Peruvian. Yeah. 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 Uh, but in, yeah, foreign language. So it might not get an Odeon release, but I really want to see it cast far and wide yeah, for, yeah. for people to see it. I think yeah. it's fantastic. Really just well done. So those are our favourite films of this year's Fright Fest and we thought we'd keep our awards section in here uh, because there's stuff we can do with it in an episode like this. Biggest Queen, of course, for both of us. Yes. It is Harper Dutch, played by Katie Segal in Torn Hearts. Yeah. Um, if she wasn't a big enough queen for Married With Children. Uh, she's an even bigger queen now. Katie Segal, hats off to you. Yeah. Um, you were so camp. You read the girls to film. Yeah. You 
brought up issues because do you know what I don't think it's a spoiler I think it's in the um, synopsis that she is essentially the villain of the film mm. but she's not she's not because no. she's layered yeah and she's to a certain degree understandable yeah in her actions yeah. it's not not all the way um, I'm not psychotic but yeah yeah absolutely uh, biggest gasp I have the big barbarian twist. Uh, I can't say what it is, of course. The- and I, I would even if we were allowed to. I still wouldn't say what it is. Um, but of course, the oh, yeah. biggest barbarian go in blind. Yeah. There's a lot of hype around this film, specifically its twist, because the trailer gives nothing away. Um, and there's been a few good twists, a few films of two halves this year, but this for me got the biggest gasp because. I think because of all the hype surrounding it, because I was on the edge of my seat as it was before it happened. And when it happened, I really didn't expect that. That that really came out of nowhere. And what uh, what's your biggest gasp? Um, hypochondriac in a cinema full of people, Grimgate. And that's all <laughs> I'm saying. Grimming. I mean, I found this shock- shocking as well. I mean, you know, I'm not complaining because... And the amount of times you've had to see detailed heterosexual sex scenes on on cinema, you know, it's about time as gays got a bit in there. And and this is extreme. I, I'm sure it's not the sex scene itself that made you gasp, but just uh, <laughs> yeah. just his existence and just an erect penis as well on the screen. That that wasn't um, didn't see that coming. Like, no pun intended. <laughs> this is a classy <laughs> podcast, Gary Cruz. <laughs> Best dialogue I have Touchdown by William Mouth, Bill Whedon in the Once and Future Smash because every time he said it and this joke is fucking done to death in the film every time he said it I laughed just You have much. to say it like he and says it. I, touchdown! <laughs> it's it's seriously it's done so many times and I get pissed off when things are done again and again in the film but this was equally as funny every single time it's he said it. It's his before. It was so funny. It's it's he makes people jump every time he says it's it. It's true. <laughs> um, my favourite dialogue is um, something that caught me off guard, which I found quite funny. It's from Next Exit. It's a character called Karma. <laughs> Hi, I'm Karma, and yes, I'm a bitch. It's not and Lisa Rinna. She says to Teddy, um, why don't you go... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Why don't you see something worth seeing before you kill yourself? (laughs) And it doesn't sound funny, me just saying it now, but it really caught me off guard whilst watching it. And she says, oh, come see something worth seeing before you kill yourself. Like, oh my God. I, I suffice to say, I was I may have been the only one cracking up at yes, that. Yes, it was yeah. early in the morning. And um, finally, that's camp. For me, I have a film we haven't even discussed in honourable mentions or the best, because it wasn't a film I was the biggest fan of, but this one scene is up there with some of my biggest highlights of Fright Fest. For me, it's a film called Daughter, and it's the dance sequence. That's all I'll say. Yeah. It is like... Uh, ben Mitchell and EastEnders doing his Lady Gaga routine when Phil walks in. Yeah. It, seriously. That, so fucking camp. Also a contender for Biggest Gasp as well. <laughs> yeah. Because it's completely <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, for me, that's camp goes to the costumes in Torn Hearts. Yeah, they were very, very camp. Very camp. It's giving yeah. me Dolly Parton. Hannah Montana. Reba... <laughs> In the 80s, yeah, they were so camp, gorgeous. Yeah. So those are our Fright Fest highlights. Let us know if you attended the festival and what some of your favourites were. We're on social media. Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram and Horror Court Trash on Twitter. I'm dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram and GazChris92 on Twitter. I am ChrisBarker823 on Letterboxd and uh, Instagram. That's the one. Um, Every fucking time. It was a right. Review. It was a long weekend, guys, and we were straight back to work. I do apologise. Right. You're a big case cooking fan. I get it. You're just trying to copy what she does. Oh, <laughs> don't like it. What, what is it? Right. Ripen and no. 
Rate, rate, rate me page and subscribe. Like, like me page. Yeah, what Chris said. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. <laughs> like a follow and nothing else. Buy our merch on redbubble.com. Search Horror Trash Over. And we will be back on Tuesday where we're kicking off our full September schedule. I mean, this is, this is part of September. Just a bonus episode. Uh, we'll be kicking off our schedule with Robocop 3. <gasps> Oh, it's been a long time since we discussed a bit of Nancy Allen on the podcast. Very excited. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. Hope she makes it till the end. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we'll see you same time, same place on Tuesday. Bye.